as Rhiannon shared a monologue written by Jamie Wright, it gave us another glimpse at the real-life encounters that Mary went through. We've been in this series for the last four weeks on Mary, Mary devoted to God's plan. And and as as we get to where we're going today, you can take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 2. We'll be there in just a few moments, Matthew chapter 2. But real quickly, let me review what we've been learning through Mary's real-life story. We learned that when Mary was devoted to God's plan, she's an example to us that while our stories and hers are not identical, her father and the Heavenly Father is our same Heavenly Father. And he wants to provide that kind of direction in our life as well. And in our first week, we saw that we are to embrace the unexpected, just like Mary did. We saw that nothing is impossible with God, but everything is impossible with us. In our second week, we saw Mary respond to the Lord with exceptional praise. And we too are called into that response to the Lord. And that looks like preparation and action together. We see that this exceptional praise involves others. And we are to linger in the work of God. And in in our third week, Pastor Lane led us in in an awesome message where we looked at the unique birth of Christ. And not only what that meant for them, but what it means for us. And Last week, we saw Joseph and Mary take baby Jesus, who was now born, to the temple. They were obeying the law of God, and they were obeying the call of God. And in the midst of that holy moment, Simeon gave a prophecy, the foretelling of what would come for Jesus. Telling Mary that there'd be some who would reject Jesus, and her very heart would be pierced by the rejection of many around her, of not receiving her son as the Messiah. We saw last week that Jesus didn't come to save us from our circumstances. He came to save us from our sin. This week, as we dive into our fifth week of Mary devoted to God's plan, I want us to look at this issue of fear. We can face fear with our faith in Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, and I want you to hear the word of the Lord from the New International Version. Let's listen to the word of the Lord together from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this passage that's so familiar to us. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to breathe on it again. Lord, as we heard this passage literally with our ears, knowing that the original hearers of Matthew's gospel would have heard it through their ears as well, would you bring it to life for us? Lord, we're not just searching for a, a trivial pursuit Bible quiz question answered. Some little nugget to impress our knowledge upon someone else. But Lord, would you, would you highlight for us in this passage the fresh food that you have for us today? Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to say. Amen. Briefly, I want to take a few moments to look at this passage of Scripture that we just heard together and allow the Lord to highlight some things for us. The first I want us to see is this. In the first 12 verses, we see there is this embracing and this rejecting of a king. We find that some embraced Jesus as their king, and, and Herod and others would reject Jesus as the king of the Jews, as any authority for that matter. In fact, that's exactly what Simeon had predicted in our text last week when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, remember, obeying God's law and obeying God's call. Simeon said, there'll be people who do not receive Jesus. But I, I, I don't want to miss something before we get to that point. There's something happening here with these wise men, with the, the magi, that I, I think could, could bring some important message for us today. It's this thought that the wise men's visit, it reveals to us the surprising truth that Jesus, the Messiah, came not only for the Jews, but he came for the entire world. Here, God's amazing work in and through Mary, it wasn't just for Mary. It wasn't just for Mary's family. It just wasn't for Mary's people. But we see now this was God's working for all mankind. Again, we see this great blessing here the, the Magi are coming and seeking to worship this King of Kings, this great blessing 
right up next to we'll find some great opposition in just a few moments. This part of the story made me think this week. Who would have thought that there would be traveling people seeking Jesus, going great distances to try to find him? Wouldn't it have been logical for Mary to say, nobody knows about this. Who would believe that this little baby is, is the Messiah? They have no way of knowing of his miraculous birth. And even if they heard of his miraculous birth, who would have believed it? I needed an angel of the Lord to speak to me for me to believe this. Where would her attention been have drawn to, to opening up this Christ child to onlookers? While Mary's story is not our story... And I'm not suggesting in this series that God has exactly for you what he had for Mary. He has a story for you, a plan for you. And while Mary's story is not your story, Mary's God is your God. And the way she depended on him is a model for us of how we can depend on God as well. One thing I think we could learn from her story is that Jesus, the same Jesus, is alive in our life. His mission is the same. And so I ask this question, what can we do to reach out to people in our lives whom we might not expect to respond positively to the message of the gospel? You see, it wasn't Mary's responsibility to decide who could worship this baby Jesus. It wasn't her responsibility to decide who could seek Jesus, who could respond to Jesus. It was her responsibility to take the Christ child that's been entrusted to her and to offer it to those who came. Here, this very Jesus she held in her arms. At this moment, we begin to see that God's picture was much bigger and broader than what Mary or Joseph could have imagined, what any of us could have imagined. But yet, this happy scene, it was soon to be overshadowed by the serious threat of Herod's paranoia. This joyous scene soon was going to be met with opposition again. You'll find this pattern all throughout Scripture. Whenever something is happening in and through Jesus, there will always be someone or something that is strongly opposing Him. I believe we too can learn from this. We should expect opposition. Mary, when this warning of the coming persecution, of the coming rejection, when it turned from just a warning to reality, look at what she does. She doesn't live in fear, but she lives in faith. Don't don't miss this. Here she was told at the temple, this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. Simeon said, I can die now. I have I have seen what has been promised. And it was it was affirmed and confirmed in her again that God was working. But in that moment, she was told, foretold, your heart will be pierced. You will suffer. Many will not receive Jesus. But as this foretelling turned to reality, now she's living it. Her response was not fear. Her response was faith. She chose to walk in obedience again. You see, There is this mountain of evidence that it's not Mary who is so special. It is Mary's God who is so special. It's not Mary's obedience that should perplex us. It's the faithfulness of God that drove her to obedience that should grip our hearts today. We see some hope coming. 
we see that God's plan was bigger than the enemy's plan to attack. Let's look at that together. God's plan and the enemy's attack. We find this in the seven verses between 13 and 20. King Herod, we just heard this together, does his best to wipe Jesus from the face of the earth to eliminate the threat Jesus may be to his power. You know, that's the central objection to many people who don't receive Jesus. They may not say it this way, but at its core, it's this fear that whoever this Jesus is may threaten my power, my authority. You may not be king of a kingdom here on this earth, but many of us live as if we are king of our own castle. I'm, I'm the leader of my own house. I'm the leader of myself. I am the master of who I am. And anybody or anything who tries to tell me what to do, and you can begin to see pride and selfishness come forward. But here, this idea that Jesus was going to be the king, not just for the king of the Jews, but the king of all who would receive him, it threatened Herod greatly. There was resistance. We begin to see that God has a plan, even in the midst of Herod's response. So God provides. He provides this escape plan. Look at this. This providential escape to Egypt shows that God had a greater plan. Don't miss this. God was not worried. He was not wringing his hands, fretting about what Herod was plotting. He didn't get caught off guard by Herod's resistance. God had a greater plan all along. And we need to remember, when it seems like there's no way out, God will make a way for us to follow his plan. Not our own plan, but to follow his plan. Again, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not suggesting that your story is exactly like Mary's story. But I am suggesting that Mary's God is your God. And he has a plan, a story for your life. And he wants to empower you. He wants to lead you. And you can trust him. In the face of fear, you can live a life of faith in Jesus. You too will have times when people want to reject Jesus in you or reject your movement of obedience to Jesus You too will feel opposition to God's plan in your life And when we move to trust him we can be confident that he will make a way for us to follow his plan not to be confused He will give us everything that we want. He will give us everything that we need to follow him well as Herod tried his trickery to try to get the the magi the wise men to bring the baby Jesus back to him or to lead him to the baby Jesus so he could worship him. He figures out that he had been outwitted, the scripture tells us. And then he doubles down and he went to the greatest extremes to get rid of Jesus. He doubles down and goes to the greatest extremes to get rid of Jesus. When his trickery doesn't work, he moves to all out war friend don't be mistaken the enemy will do whatever it takes to kill jesus and anything that looks like jesus in your life he will bring division he will bring discouragement he will bring doubt he will give you every opportunity to jump off the path of following jesus with reckless abandon he hates it when you follow him in fact you and i should expect the opposition in our life, to do whatever it takes to drive Jesus away. But check this out. 
There's a bigger picture. This escape to Egypt that, that the Father brings for Mary and Joseph and Jesus, it's very important. This imagery of Egypt symbolized a place of bondage for Israel. Mary and Joseph, they would have known the history well. It was their family story. When they would think of Egypt, they would have thought of, of the bondage that was there, the slavery that was there. And here we see that, that God will often bring freedom out of places that we can only see bondage. Now, the Lord wants to speak to somebody through that today. We need to hear that again. Often, God will bring freedom out of places where we can only see bondage. He's big enough to fulfill His plan in spite of the opposition. It's also important to know that God's escape plan for Mary, Joseph, and Jesus was not a last-minute desperate attempt to somehow salvage plan A. Rather, this was the fulfillment of of the prophecy. This was the fulfillment of plan A. God didn't just somehow just kind of throw up a prayer. Well, I hope this works now. He was moving all along. Sometime this week, look at Micah 5.2 and compare it to Matthew 2.6 and Hosea 11.1 and Matthew 2.15 and Jeremiah 31.15 and Matthew 2.18. You will find that this is the fulfillment of what had been prophesied many, many, many years before. God had a plan. These events, they're more than just symbols. They mark a new reality. This new reality for Mary and Joseph is Jesus was literally alive there with them. Their hope embodied in Christ was there with them. Friend, there's a new reality for you today too. Jesus, as the choir sang, he is alive. He has conquered sin, death, and the grave. And he is here to give you hope to follow his mission. I want you to hear these words as we come to a conclusion this morning. Even when we are following God's will, we can still get caught up in tensions and turmoil. Mary must have been terrified when Joseph learned that King Herod wanted her son dead, and he would resort to horrifying measures to eliminate any threat to his throne. Mary must have wondered what the tragic end prophesied for Jesus when it was about to take place. Is it now? Is this the time? She didn't know that this wasn't the appointed time for Jesus to die. She only knew that God provided for them thus far. And in spite of the fears that came at her, she continued to place her trust in God. If I could only say one thing this morning, it would be this with Jesus as your king, you can face your fears with faith in Christ. Not faith in yourself, not faith in your church, not faith in your pastors, not faith in your government. Faith in Jesus. You can face the fears and have victory. It would be amiss if I would suggest that following Jesus is only World Series moments. Celebration and Jubilation. But there is a suffering. There is a time where we will too be rejected just like Jesus. In his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, Jesus tells us, Blessed are you who are persecuted, who are insulted, who have had all kinds of false things said about you for my name's sake. Great will be your reward in heaven. I want you to know that as we've talked about the persecuted church today, this is nothing new. 
This has been going on since this very moment when Herod tried to kill Jesus. Jesus has overcome. He is the victor. But there are still those who will oppose him. We should expect it. In just a moment, I'm going to share a video as we close. It's a little intense. So, parents, if you have young children here, you may opt in just a moment to slip out. I'll give you a cue when you can do that. But let me set this up. You can see what the video is going to be, and I'll let you decide if you'd like to keep your young children with you to see this. The Insanity of God is a true story of missionaries, Nick and Ruth Ripken. After the death of their son, this ordinary couple journeys into the depths of the persecuted church, asking this question, is Jesus worth it? How does faith survive, let alone flourish, in places of the world that are overcome with darkness, sin, despair, and hopelessness? We are going to join the Ripkins as they tell their story of being taught by the believers in persecution, being taught how to follow Jesus, how to love Jesus, how to talk with Him, how to walk with Him every day, even when it doesn't seem to make sense. The church, in many places of the world, is facing persecution We hear only just little snippets of their reality. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Their journey, it's not our journey, but we can share in their journey and allow it to challenge our own. This story is graphic. In some instances, it's brutal because it's their reality. The story is also troubling, yet it is hopeful because out of their sacrifice, it's not a waste. We see an offering. I want to invite you to join us, not this Sunday night, not tonight, but next Sunday night at 6.45 p.m. We are going to hear the story of what God is doing in and through the persecuted church via live simulcast. We normally meet at 6 p.m. on Sunday night, not this Sunday night, but next. We'll meet at 6.45 in this room. I challenge you, come and let's hear what God is doing in these places where persecution is high. In about 15 seconds, we'll show this video. Parents, if you want to slip out with your young children, you're free to do so. The rest of us, I encourage you. In about 10 seconds, we'll see the video here on the